Welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days here at NYU. My name is Dylan and I'm tonight's co-host, a junior from Jacksonville, Florida, studying psychology and the RCA at Lipton Hall. And I'm Tom Ellett, the other co-host, and I serve as the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs. Dylan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Your first one. Yeah, yeah. And so at NYU, we just celebrated uh, spring break. Mm -hmm. Where did you go? I went down to my hometown, Jacksonville, uh, and my friend, I think the first day I got down there, he texted me. He said, hey, I'm going to the Keys. Do you want to come? And I was like, oh, cool, let's do it. And we just got in the car, drove nine hours down to the Keys and stayed a couple days there, went fishing, uh, caught a, quite a few fish, and uh, we, caught a, we caught a shark while we were down there too. What? Now, do you eat the sharks? No, no, no. We didn't. We didn't pull did it up on the dock. Did it? Was, it okay. Was, yeah. Has it recovered at Key West since the the devastation and the? Yeah, I would say so. I I I didn't notice really any remnants of disasters that have happened there before, or hurricanes, or anything like okay. that. Great to hear. Tell me a little bit about your NYU experience. What sticks out is like the two quintessential moments you've had here. Oh, geez. Something I tell people is when I came to NYU. I was actually a drama major in Tisch. Wow. So this big moment for me was deciding to switch over to psychology instead. Been a good match for you? Yeah, I, I, I joined the Army ROTC program here in New York, and it was kind of like I had to choose between drama or an Army career. And I was like, I think this is what's for me. And I called my dad, and I was like, hey, I know you just sent me to school for a bunch of money to study drama, but I'm, I'm going to leave that now. And he was super supportive. Do you miss the drama piece? I have an MFA in directing theater. So every oh, yeah. time, yeah, I always think about, oh, man, I wish I was still doing the stage stuff. But uh, for you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I miss it. I miss it a lot sometimes. And other times I think it's a different it's a different environment to be in. And, you know, I think my brain's a little more wired for science sometimes. So being able to look at these studies and empirical data, and I feel like I'm learning a lot. And in drama, it was, it was really... It was really fun, really interesting, and I got to experience a lot of different people, different shows, different thought processes, but with the way that psychology teaches you, it's really, it's fun for me. It's, it's, I think it's more fun for me, but there are times where I'm sitting down, I see my friends from, you know, drama, and they're doing great things, and I'm like, oh. I wish I could be up there. Yeah. Well, well tonight we have a person of great character. Uh, let's hear a little bit about our guest. Today, our guest is Ron Rapatilo, who served as an RA in Weinstein for Craig Jolly during the 1996 to 97 academic years. Welcome, Ron, and thank you for joining us on tonight's show. It's a real pleasure having you. Thanks, Bill. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, it's Sunday night, so waiting for the work week to start. Oh, gotcha. And where are you? I'm across the river in Jersey City, so they didn't stray too far from NYU. <laughs> it's good to have you on, Ron. But I always say the people who live in Jersey are blessed because they have the view of New York. And so uh, you get to live that every day. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing since you've graduated, and you have a really rich story. So uh, hit the top highlights, and we'll dig in afterwards. Yeah, so I think the quick headlines of what I'm doing currently, executive search in the K-12 education and nonprofit sectors, a life career coach, men's personal stylist, and a group fitness trainer. Wow. How does he fit all that in, Dylan? I, I, I can barely fit in class. I'm interested. Let's, let's talk about your time at Washington Square. What exactly did you study at NYU? I was a major in neuroscience in the College of Arts and Science, 
almost double with math, but then had a um, moment of sanity my senior year and decided <laughs> to drop the double math major to a minor in math. Wow. Were you involved in extracurricular activities with that uh, pretty large major that you had? I was. I would like to say that I had a degree in extracurricular, so I was the president of the International Filipino Association. I was a peers ears advisor, co-founded mm -hmm. the Asian Pacific American Studies Program and Institute as a student activist, was also involved in a lot of intercultural things on campus. So was also a scholar at the College of Arts and Science, so I got to travel internationally. Was a freshman orientation leader through the College of Arts and Science and all university orientation leader through student life. I think that's it. Oh, I was also treasurer of the College Bowl, which was an intercollegiate uh, trivia competition. I think that's it. <laughs> there might be more, but that's what I remember. A resume of extracurricular. I love it. Love it. I love it. Now, uh, where, where did you attend undergrad? Were you an RA in undergrad or only at master's? No, I was an RA. I only have an undergrad uh, degree at NYU. So I was a RA my senior year. So it was, I was a commuter for three years. So I actually commuted from where I lived in Jamaica, Queens. And senior year was my first and only time living on campus. So it was a really great experience. What made you want to be an RA having three years of being a commuter student? You know, I, I was always jealous of all of my friends who had that residential experience, something about being able to wake up at 11 p.m. and run to boats to study <laughs> at night, I think. Um, <laughs> just the camaraderie of like living on campus, really getting to know people in the evenings during the day. And I just heard so many great things from people that were RAs, you know, who were older than me about how much of an incredible experience it was. And I think even though I don't think I understood what like real coaching and advising meant till I got older. I started dabbling in those things in my undergraduate years. There was something that resonated with me about supporting other students having a better group and individual living experience that um, I wanted to sign on the dotted line when I heard about it. <laughs> and what was it like to work on staff in Weinstein? <laughs> you know, it, it, it was like we were all learning together. You know, Craig Jolly, I feel, is a legend at NYU. I still can't believe he he's still at NYU 20-plus years later, but he was a first-year hall manager with us. And so, you know, our, our RA team at Weinstein, first of all, Weinstein is still known at NYU as, like, the kind of, like, the, the premier, like, place for, like, freshmen to have their experience, right? So in some ways, like, I think those of us in RA staff had to live up to that standard. Um, but I think even more than that, we got along really well. I think we had a reputation amongst other RA crews from other buildings as being one that not only worked well together, but we also really hung out a lot. And so some of them are still really good friends of mine. I and mean, I can rattle off like, I mean, you've interviewed two people, George Constantino and Opa Hope Bennett, who I still keep in contact with, who are doing amazing things in their own rights. And that's just two of like the other, if I count right, 15 other RAs I was RAs with at Weinstein. So it was just a truly incredible experience. I, it definitely was top three experiences I've ever had at NYU. And at that time, I believe that Weinstein was the only first year, all first year building at that time. Yeah, I mean, there was probably a handful. It's funny, my, my sweet mate was a junior, but that was like the exception. Okay. There was, it was probably like 98% freshman. Yeah. yeah. 
we changed to now we have seven freshman residents also. I think wow. that a no, and Dylan raised his eyebrows when he when you said the quintessential building Weinstein. I, I think <laughs> you'd have seven of the buildings saying that they have the mojo today here at NYU. What kind of relationships did you build with your residents, especially since you didn't have that experience in your freshman year of living on campus? Yeah, you know, I was always good at the one-on-one. So, you know, I remember things like knocking on people's doors and just asking, hey, how are things going? Like, how can I help you? Let me hear what your stories are. You know, that was something I think I excelled at as an RA. Definitely did some, like, the, the best group floor experience I ever had was taking my floor to see Stomp, um, which is a quintessential New York City off-Broadway experience. So brought about half of my floor, so it was about 20 people. It's had a really good time. So between the individual experiences, the group experiences, and just being accessible, and I put accessible with an asterisk because I was also taking organic chemistry at the time. So, I mean, I was studying a lot, but, you know, I, <laughs> it was interesting because I think my residents would come to me if they had things they wanted to talk about that weren't just necessarily about college. And so I think I, in a short amount of time, built good trust with people and, and also good trust if, like, things were happening on the floor that weren't kosher with people and they couldn't settle themselves that people felt comfortable enough to come with me. And so in some ways, it was almost like I was the uncle of the floor, <laughs> suffice to say, you know, where people would come to me as like advisor, like, Ron, I think someone's smoking pot on the floor. Can you help us figure out who it is? I'm like, oh, goodness, okay. <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Good experience. Yeah. Good experience. Did you stay connected to any of your, your residents? You know, more through, like, social media. I can't say, you know, it's funny. I think of one resident who got married to someone I know who was a little older than her. So I, I sort of loosely keep contact with her through through Facebook. There's one resident that comes to mind that I've had sporadic Facebook messaging with. You know, some of it for me was, like, I think the difference in age, it was a little bit harder for me to keep in contact with folks, right? Because I kind of went and did my own thing and folks still stayed on campus, but... I kept a lot more contact, not only with RAs in my building, but other RAs at the time. So, I mean, there was just a whole host of people. So I've always found the RA communities, like, you know, especially during your academic year, tends to be pretty tight-knit. You've given some really good stories about the RA position so far. I'd really be interested about the skills that you feel like you gained in the position. Yeah, you know, the mediation and coaching were two big ones, right, because, you know, there are issues that come up seen and unforeseen. I remember one time, this is one of my crazy, I was coming home from doing my own kind of personal life things and got home at 2 a.m. in the morning. And I still remember seeing someone, God bless, smoking in the lobby. And I, with every ounce of me, I just wanted to get back to my room, right? But I knew I was an RA in the building, right? I'm an authority figure, you know, li- like it or not. And I remember looking at this gentleman and I said, you know, I have to write you up, right? You're smoking right in front of me. He's like, oh, come on, just give me a break. You know, you want to go home. It's okay. I'm like, I, I can't do that. It's, this is, I'm annoyed. And I know you're going to be annoyed too, but you just can't do this at this time. And I don't like ever, and I've got to write you up. And it was one of those moments I remember of just like, I think learning to like mediate. I think he understood, although I remember he would see me here and there in like the cafeteria and kind of like stare at me. I was just like, I I don't know what you wanted me to do because you were doing something that wasn't right in the lobby. But I just remember having to mediate the situation and just explaining like, 
well, I had to do what I had to do. And so that was a big thing. And I just remember also, you know, dealing with residents on the floor who were dealing with different things. And just, I still remember the RA activity to this day of going through different rooms and having different scenarios happen. And there was a Tish actress RA who literally was crying. I'm like, oh my God, is this what I'm I'm an RA? (laughs) And thank you, yes. And I remember, you know, some of the things I learned in RA training were just like getting at the person's level. And so I remember she was crying, I got to her level, was questioning, softened my tone of voice. And I still remember using that when I was an RA and talking to different residents who came to me with different things and just remembering, ask good questions, don't judge, lead them where they need to go based on what, what they're looking for, but also know like if, if there's something beyond your scope of what you can do, like you know, always make sure you refer them to the proper services. So those are things certainly I think in my life and career coaching business that being an RA was the beginning of understanding some of that, those skill sets. Well, looking back, what would you say was the best aspect of attending NYU? Easily the diversity, socioeconomically, racially, globally. I always thought that going to NYU was like being able to meet everyone from across the world, but right on the square. I I just got to meet so many amazing people. You know, when I think of this photo that I took for a birthday dinner in my early 30s, everyone in that photo but one person is an NYU alum. Actually, all of my best friends are NYU alums, with very, like, except my wife, where I met on Match.com. But all, I mean, all of my best friends are NYU alums. And so the people is what made NYU for me. And so I, I'm very relationship-driven. And so and I still, as a very involved alum, still meet lots of amazing people at alumni events in my role serving on the Alumni Association. So the diversity of the people and just being able to like count on a lot of people as, as friends and as people I can rely on has been invaluable. Well, clearly you've had great uh, experience with people and relationships because it seems like it's what you're doing today in all the different aspects of uh, your career. I'm going to jump into the, first of all, the fitness piece. Tell me what you mm-hmm. do. Are you going to gyms and you're a personal trainer or, you know, how, how do you, how do you do that? Yeah, so what I do currently is I teach a group fitness class at a Jersey downtown Jersey City studio that focuses on the Versa Climber. So if you've ever watched Rocky Four and Ivan Drago during his scenes of training, there's this upward climbing machine that he uses, like half Stairmaster, half being able to move his arms up and down. That's a Versa Climber, um, and it started to get popular again. As a cardio machine, it's probably the most rigorous cardio machine you can use rowing and treadmill notwithstanding and so i teach a 40 minute high intensity interval training class motivate inspire people have good music but most of all make sure that um people are doing it with proper form and being able to check for how people are doing and be able to tweak their form while making sure they have a good workout so i enjoyed a ton because i started taking classes at the studio within three months the head owner asked me hey would you ever be interested in teaching here and I said, you know, it's funny you ask because I get asked that when I start going somewhere after three or four months. When I like something, sort of usually get asked to teach in, in, the, gym stu- in, in the gym or the studio. So um, it's something that's kind of followed me in my 20 plus years of like working out for myself. That's great. We're going to have to have uh, you bring it to Dylan for his ROTC group that he's in. Oh, that would be fun. Uh, I'm all well, for hey, it. Well, hey, if you're willing to teach us a class, we'll, we'll be there. Okay. 
We'll talk offline. All right. Uh, so, so it's not just fitness, though. You're also you're into coaching people. I, I've heard the the term life coach. Can you tell us a little bit what that's like? Yeah. So, you know, my 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 coaching has a lot to do with my ability to get people to be vulnerable and open up to me. Right. So, how does it happen? Asking questions, listening, checking for understanding. Right. And so. You know, most of what I do happens to fall into career coaching, but I would argue life and career coaching for me are almost one of the same because most of what's challenging people in their careers has to do with different life things going on with that person. So someone may be an inflection point in their career, and some of that may have to do with their life experience at that point and, and maybe wanting to experience something different that they wanted to do 20 years ago, but now they're at a point in their life where they're like, I really want to go back to that, right? And just talking to them through that, right? And what the options are and pros, cons, and just being a combination, you know, like listener, but also summarizer, someone who can also just poke holes in thinking. And so it's just something I think if I go back to my RA days, I did that even as a young 21-year-old to be able to ask questions to get people to think. And that's what I think I do best as a coach is just to be curious, ask lots of questions, and have someone usually come up with the answer on their own, right? And helping give them ways of thinking to come up with those answers on their own. Because I don't want someone to keep going to me forever, you know, even though I'm perfectly happy to be an advisor and a coach for, for people on a consistent basis. But something for me is, is, is there's a teaching aspect to coaching that I also enjoy. Ron, I, I got to ask you about the uh, dress etiquette. So, yes. w- what should we be wearing to work? Uh, you know, what's a good interview outfit to have? Uh, yeah, hopefully, I'm wearing the right things to work. I, I really would like to know. Yeah, you know, um, you know, the 2019 answer is that it depends on what the workplace norms, uh, dress norms are. You know, how people dress in tech versus a law firm versus a marketing agency you know versus a higher ed institution and depend on what your role you're in i think it varies right i would say what i know best which is how men dress right is you know some of it is i think most work settings don't require a man to wear a suit right it used to be that was a lot more common to dress to the nines, right? You know, nice suit, nice tie, nice pair of shiny black or brown shoes, right? That's, that's, I think, atypical now, right? And so how would I tell most men in most workplaces if I were to generalize the dress today? Like, fit, price, quality matters most, right? I think how your clothes fit you to your body is the most important thing. There's nothing like clothes either looking like they're too big on you or way too tight on you, right? I think... For, for most workplaces, right? And so, you know, having a good tailor, understanding your measurements or having someone like me who advise you on those things, I think is invaluable, right? And then price and quality become the other two things about figuring out well, how much money are you willing to spend? You know, you can get decent stuff, believe it or not. Uh, like I passed by the H&M store, you know, in the mall here in Jersey City and like the suits are okay. It's not the highest quality, but like, Dependent on a guy's income, it's not bad, right? You know, if you start to go up and go to men's warehouse, not bad. Not where I prefer, right? I'm a little bit of a snob in terms of quality. I can look at a suit and tell if it's, like, good or not in terms of, like, what, what kind of wool it is, right? Um, but it all depends on how much you have to spend. But at the end of it all, if it fits you well, 
here's the interesting thing about professional dress, whether we like to admit it or not, how we think someone dresses is how we believe someone's going to be able to work, right? So if we believe, and I don't agree with this, right? I'm just telling you how I think our society has been built, is that the way you dress is the level of attention you're going to pay to your work. Yeah. I don't always agree with that, right? Because, you know, in tech, like yeah. if you're wearing a hoodie and a nice pair, a pair of jeans and sneakers, right, you have some of the best, like, coders and engineers on the planet dressing like that. I don't think it necessarily has anything to do with work product, but I think that is something in Western society that I think carries through just about every sector. And so, you know, right. Right. See, see what other people are dressing like mm-hmm. in the workplace. And then I think you want to sort of figure out how to dress to that, whether it's like, oh, everyone's dressing in like, you know, nice casual shoes and like, you know, khakis or chinos. And sometimes they wear a blazer, but generally it's a nice button down. They dress like that. But like, how do you bring your own style into it? Yeah. Thank you. So going beyond just what they look like when someone walks into an interview for a position, what else are you looking for in your candidates? God, that's a really broad question. So let me let me let me answer that. What I think are like, uh, let me generalize here, right? So because I work in the K twelve education and nonprofit sector, I think the sector that I do search in, you know, we have a strong inclination to ask about. Why is someone excited about the mission of this organization? And why does someone want to work with kids or on behalf of kids, right? Those are big questions. So I think, you know, some of it is understanding, I think, generally speaking, you know, why are you excited about this company and what strengths are you bringing to this role? I think that's a question probably like 99% of job interviews lead off with, whether you're starting as like initial phone screen with someone in HR or perhaps the hiring manager. They're going to want to know like, what research have you done? How much do you know about us? And what what have you what are you bringing to the table that would allow you to be a good fit for this role, right? And so, the other thing I look for, I think generally speaking, I think most strong interviewers should be looking for is detailed examples, right? So, on the interviewee side, right, you know, this is where memory recall comes in, right? And so you got to practice. If you're an interviewee, practicing talking about your experiences looking at a job description and coming up with questions based on what they're looking for and the qualifications, I think is it's part of the game, right? You know, I think the other thing, this is sort of the, 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 the intangibles in for me that I think are really important, right? Um, it's just like, it's a combination of like learning orientation and self-awareness, right? I think someone can have great results, but they don't have a lot of humility. They're not really like, if they're coming to the table, like, well, I'm the best thing, you should be hiring me. I'm like, that's a huge turnoff, right? But if it's like, I have a lot to offer, but you know, I'm the kind of person who works well with others, gives examples of that, but most of all, is always hungry to learn, and that at this job, like, I'm gonna continue to grow, like, that's, there's magic in that, right? And I think when I was in college, I wish I was more of that, right? I had to get into the professional workplace and take some knocks in order to become a lot more humble and self-aware, right? Um, I certainly didn't come like that out of college at all. Ron, do, do you use a lot of behavioral interviews? Um, somewhat. You know, a lot of the style that I've learned to use is to think about someone's past experience first. Then you could put people in scenarios. I think that's where the behavioral-based interviewing is coming from. But I think the more important thing, right, when you start, if I think of a interview process as a filter, is past experience, scenarios, right? And then you actually are then putting them more in the final interview process. Like, here's actual work you'd be doing. Let's get you to do some of that and see how you do with it, 
right? Because I think you want to test someone's ability to really do the job, then their hypotheticals of just their past experience are like a theoretical scenario. Like it's a huge risk to not do like real life stuff that they're actually going to do if you're going to hire someone. I think. So, what influences your work? On the theoretical level, on, on like the kind of like big picture level, what influences my work? Like a sense of like equity in making the world a better place and making sure that folks can come into the workplace as their most authentic and most inclusive self. So that influences a lot of my work, whether it's making sure everyone has a great experience in my group fitness class, that a man, when he puts something on, feels incredible because of the clothes he's wearing, or when I'm coaching someone or interviewing someone and making sure that I'm asking the right kinds of questions based on the client's looking for, but you know, based on wanting to make sure that they're bringing their best self to the interview, but also like the client's finding the best person for the job. You know, I think other things that influence my work, some of it, like, I think related sense of equity is, you know, the sense of, like, wanting to do right, the sense of justice. I, I honestly think, you know, people have asked me, and I think I could have been this amazing, like, doctor. I, I was pre-med in college. I probably could have been, you know, someone working at hedge funds. I have a pretty strong mathematical mind. But I think, for me, the sense of, like, social justice, making the world truly better, more inclusive, more mm-hmm. equitable comes from my origins growing up in Brooklyn, being raised in Queens and being the child of Philippine immigrants and seeing that the world, although I did pretty well, I would argue strongly I did well in spite of the system. I did well because a lot of people in the thousands helped me out. And it's not something I ever forget. That, that those, those stories, those experiences so influenced my work that when someone asked me for help, Tom and Dylan, I don't usually say no. Because a lot of people said yes to me when I grew up. That's a great lesson to live by, no question. Yeah. Do you still stay in contact with any of the RA alums? If so, you can give them a shout out. Definitely keep some touch with Opal. It's been a minute. Meredith Rosenblatt, she's now a principal in New York City. Um, George and Ashish were also RAs with me. George was interviewed on this podcast. Um, uh, It's funny, like now we have families. We actually all hung out in Jersey City like three years ago, and we're trying to find another time to hang out again. Heather Church, just through Facebook. I can literally own Hillary Borstein, Tony Drennan. But I would say it's like half and half that I keep in contact with, you know, amongst the – and that's just the RAs in my building. I mean, there are RAs like who were – like one of my best friends in the world was an RA in 98. Um, my buddy Theo Travers, who I want to give a huge shout out. Y- y'all should interview him. Says he's the he's a co-executive producer of Power, and he's like one of my he's one of the most humble people in the world. And he's probably been like Ron, why are you having me do more interviews? I was like Theo, people should know the great like work you're doing on TV and the fact that you're going to win an Oscar in the next like five to ten years. I mean, the other one who's also an RA who's extremely impressive. Well, I'm not, you might have interviewed him, Tom, is Pete Chapman. No, I haven't. No. Pete Chapman's another one. He's directed episodes of Blackish, of Grownish. He's done, he's directed for um, Insecure. He's a ratio. I mean, he's another one that, those are like my two NYU Tish horses that will, that when I see them on TV win an Oscar, I'm going to scream. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't blame you. And and you do so much for the NYU Alumni Association. So we're really very thankful to you to keeping and cultivating these relationships with folks who have, you know, left the square, but really haven't left the square. They've left their imprint. 
Uh, now it's time for speed round. We're going to jump in, and we're going to start off with your favorite tradition at NYU. Rat Alley. Is there a Broadway show you went to see as a student? To Who's Tommy? Best dining hall. Weinstein. Night Court. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a part-time job while at NYU? Yes, all four years at the School of Continuing Education, the old name, and their adult undergraduate admissions office. Favorite NYU professor? I'm blanking on his name, but he was Professor Albright. There it goes. Okay. Finally, what was your most memorable RA experience? <laughs> Having dinner with the person who ended up being my best friend when we were scholars at CAS together. Excellent. Well, Ron, thank you so much for spending time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and where your life after NYU has taken you. As always, thanks to our listeners who can stay connected with RA alums who are living the Dream School alumni version life. Ron, what a stand-up guy you are, truly. Your impact at NYU continues today, and clearly your impact on others continues in a really wide array of, of ways. So thank you very much for spending some time and really sharing some of your insights about life, people, in this world. So thank you, Ron. You're welcome, Tom. Thank you for having me, Dylan, too. Thank you. Absolutely. Special thanks to tonight's engineer, Duncan Lemieux, who's all the way in Sydney studying, but he keeps on editing these shows, so thank you. And to our current professional staff and the alums like Craig Jolly, who still works at NYU and still makes major impacts on students all over the campus who assisted these great RAs in skill acquisition along the way. If you like tonight's podcast, look for more content on the RA website. And if you want to know RA's favorite books, go to whatthereading.blogspot.com. Until next time, be like Ron. Look in people's eyes, find their hearts and their passions, and give them reasons to go on every day. 